0: I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So I moved in. I'm not going to lie. This has been an exhausting adventure, but I'm starting to get caught up on my sleep. The move took until 2 a.m. That was uh, Sunday Um, or Monday morning. No, Saturday, so Sunday morning. Um, We really should have made it a two-day move rather than one. Uh, We had the kids crashed on floors. My daughter did have her box spring and her mattress on her floor of her room the first night, so she was one of the lucky ones. I crashed with her twin brother on his floor of his room. Um, I actually took all three kids and my seven-passenger SUV to buy rugs for rooms. And we found these plush, huge rugs, super comfy. And um, they easily picked out their colors. But then the kids and I had to like struggle with these rugs to get them onto the flatbed cart. Uh, the workers at the store did help us get them into the car, that was awesome. I had to use twine to tie down the hatch of the car. The kids squeezed in and we drove the 10 minutes home and the four of us carried the rugs together to deliver them to the rooms. Two rooms upstairs, one downstairs. We got them all unrolled, and they were amazing, super helpful, it actually would have been funny to have on video, but it was just the four of us. Luckily, uh, we had those rugs to crash on. My older son crashed on the floor of the master bedroom, and that's how we spent our first night. And we didn't have internet for three days, so the kids missed a few days of schools. But now we're going on five days in the house. There's still a ton of unpacking to do, but all the beds are in place, so we are getting there. Also, my studio is not completely set up yet, so there's a little bit more reverb than you might normally hear. I'll try to take that out in after the recording. best I can. I will get that set up next week and get some more padding put back up in here so that it doesn't reverb off the walls. Okay, so I have a couple of questions I've gotten about return to school from parents now that we're moving back towards at least some part-time and even some full-time daycare and preschool and schooling. So I'm going to talk about how to help kids transition including infants and one of the questions is actually from a parent of an infant then i'm going to share some issues that we've been dealing with or i've been dealing with in our home since i now have a real tween our oldest turned 12 in earlier this month so puberty has definitely started and we've definitely seen some signs coming in there um a little smellier a time to get him on some deodorant. He's got hair growing on his legs. He's even got a little mustache coming in. I look at him now and you can definitely see there's a transition happening there. So we're working on these tween years, these adolescents. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Of course, you add in the pandemic of being an adolescent where they're starting to individuate a little more and that and the move and all of that is mixing in to and adding up to Um, some of these struggles. So for those of you out there with tweens, soon to be tweens, I'll share a bit about what it means to be a tween and what it means to be a parent of a tween in general and during a pandemic and quarantine. So I'm going to read the questions together. I'm going to read one question, then the other question, and then I'm going to answer the question because a lot of it overlaps, and then I'll talk about the individual differences between infants, preschoolers, toddlers, and uh, elementary age kids about returning back to school and some of those things going on. Or if you just have a toddler, preschooler, infant who's never been to daycare, preschool will also be helpful for you. So the first question from Christy. Hello, Erin. I had a question about my nine-month-old. We started back to daycare a few days ago after quarantining at home. It's been very difficult working from home while taking care of a baby, so as much as I'm grateful to have the extra time to spend together, I'm also happy to be back at work. But drop-offs haven't been bad at all, but I'm getting calls that he's refusing the bottle and food. Is this a type of separation anxiety? Is there anything I can do to help while he gets more comfortable being back at daycare? Your help is greatly appreciated. The second question is from Natalie, and she wrote Hi, Erin. I've been enjoying your podcast for about a year and was a member when our son was six months to about a year, and they were immensely helpful. Now that he's two and a half and we're dealing with toddlerhood, we will be joining again very shortly. We have been home for about a year, and my husband has been back to work for a few days a week for the past several weeks. I soon will be going back, and I'm really nervous about drop offs and just starting preschool in general since we've all been together so much. What advice do you have about transitioning preschooler given all the family togetherness over the past year? So a lot of us are getting ready for this transition, either back to school for some kids, back to preschool, back to daycare, or just into daycare in general for kids who've been home since their earliest days or since their first memories. So in general, and I'm removing the differences in temperament here, and I will talk about that also. But the younger the child, the quicker they will adjust to changes. Infants adjust easier than toddlers, toddlers easier than preschoolers, preschoolers easier than the early elementary age kids, etc. with some caveats, and I'm gonna get into that. Early elementary is quicker than later elementary, et cetera. Now, if your children are in elementary school, they're going back to the same school, the same class, the same teacher, a lot of the same friends they've had for years, they've been in school with before. Um, The transition should be relatively smooth, relatively easy. So there are a lot of different um, scenarios or variables here, obviously. For preschool and younger, even if it's the same teacher and friends, it might take a few weeks because they may not remember right away or may not remember at all. So it's like it's all brand new. So if it's going to feel all brand new, there is going to be a transition. And then, like I said, there's a lot of these variables here, including temperament kids who are fast to warm versus those who are slow to warm, those who thrive on change, who are lower in rhythmicity. Rhythmicity means how much they need to follow a strict schedule every day. Um, Some kids really need to eat, sleep, and they actually have bowel movements on the same schedule every day. This is a child who's high in rhythmicity, and if they've been in a particular scheduled pattern for a long time, this transition is gonna be tougher for them. Also, how prone your child is to separation anxiety. Now, separation anxiety can go up to early elementary age. It's usually gone for most kids by the age of five, but for some kids, it will linger up to seven. But if your child is doesn't struggle with separation anxiety nearly so much they're going to adapt easier as well. So when it comes to making these changes, you want to take all of this under consideration. How new is this situation to my child given our situation? What is their propensity for separation anxiety? What is their natural temperament towards new things, change, new people? So I'm going to give you some tips here and depending on how much on the spectrum you've your child falls on the newness and the things I just mentioned, you're going to want to really take these to heart and follow them very closely. If a lot of this is very familiar to your child, if they're easy to warm to new situations, you're going to you know, listen to the list and say what you want to um, take under consideration, which ones you want to do and try to help kind of move them into it. They're going to take to it much easier, much quicker, and you may not need to follow every one of these to a T. If you have a child who really struggles with this stuff, The first thing to do, of course, is to be patient with their process and then follow these as much as you can. If you haven't gone back to school yet and you're just in the planning stages, that's great because it'll make this easier. Here are some things for toddlers and older. You want to talk to your child about the changes coming up and describe the positives. Whatever it is that they love, that they take to Start talking about those things. So you're going to talk about friendships. You're going to talk about the teacher, how nice the teacher is, especially if they remember the teacher. Talk about how much they love that teacher. You can talk about the activities, what activities they love to do and what this school has that they love to do, whether it's crafts and art activities, whether it's outdoor play, the play yard, maybe they have a huge play jungle gym that they really will love. Whatever it is that they will gravitate towards, talk about all those positives for them. If possible, have a play date or two with another child from school a few times before they start back to school or start to school if this is the first time. And a friend of yours that has a child at the same school, try to initiate some play dates so that they can start to have a friend in the classroom. There'll be someone familiar there. Be one of the first families to the classroom until they get comfortable. So it's not so overwhelming at first. Now, I know schools are probably keeping these classes really small in most parts of the world right now, and that's good. So it shouldn't be too overwhelming anyway. But a child who's prone to separation anxiety, who isn't great with changes and lots of new things, when there's 10 kids in a room versus one or two other kids in the room, that makes a huge difference, especially the level of noise, because it's so far down. If your child really struggles with drop-offs and or separation anxiety, for preschoolers and toddlers, you want to plan for a slow transition. This means plan for hanging around for a bit for that first week or two. Now, most elementary schools won't allow for this. And also with COVID restrictions, your preschool may not be as open to this as they were in the non-COVID days. But if you know, as they maybe normally would be. But if it's possible, and if you have a child who's really prone to the separation anxiety, you can do what's called a slow transition. And so what you do with this is, is you drop your child off, you don't know, drop your child off, but you do the normal drop-off routine, but then you stay. But what you wanna do is you're gonna sit in the room by the door, you're gonna read a book, you're going to be as boring as possible. You're not gonna make any eye contact, you're just going to sit there and be very quiet, and read a book or something like that. If your child comes up to you and shows you something they made or they built, give them a little, you don't wanna give them a ton of attention. I see, that's very nice. Why don't you go back and build some more? And then you're gonna slowly transition out of that. So if you can stay for 20 minutes and then leave, great. If it's gonna be a real struggle, you can, for the first time, stay the entire time you're there. But this is only if this is like a short day. So if you're there for a couple of hours, You can stay the entire time, then take your child home. But if you can stay just up to 20 minutes, don't sneak out though. Don't just sneak out the door, you wanna say goodbye and then leave. Then you're gonna transition away from that where you are staying for just like 10 or 15 minutes, then you're gonna step out, you'll come back in the room. If they're doing fine, you can kinda come and go in and out of the room a little bit, then say goodbye and leave. Until you're getting to the point where you're just doing your drop off, normal goodbye and you're leaving. There may be a little bit of a protest that's very normal and then allow them to go through that separation process, which is a four-stage process. If you wanna know more about that process a little more in depth, I do cover that in the separation anxiety class. There's also a lot more tips in there, but this is one of the best tools for getting those drop-offs to go a lot smoother. For infants, toddlers, and preschoolers, so a lot of public schools are now doing this anyway. My kids' schools is about to do this. Unfortunately, we will not be able to participate in this because we now live too far, so they're going to have to stay distance learning. But that is to do the minimum schedule at first and to slow them to getting back into their schooling. And that's the same with a preschool or daycare. If you can do a minimum schedule, so two mornings a week, three mornings a week, um, and then transition more into two full days a week, three full days a week, five full days a week, whatever it is you're going to move up to, start with a minimum schedule as you get them used to this, because it's a really big change um, for them to go from being home all the time with parents to all day long at preschool. Okay, so for Christy, or anyone else who has already started back and things are going a little rough, just know that infants and toddlers, preschoolers, they adapt very quickly, as all children do. They really adapt quickly to changes. So while this is likely a form of separation anxiety, for for Christy especially without the not eating, because for as long as the infant or toddler can remember, if they've been home for an entire year and they're anything under the age of, gosh, even four um, or five, they're just not going to remember. If they hit, once they hit five, they may remember being at school. But four, four and a half, you're right on that cusp where they might remember a few things. They've been home for their entire life as far as they're aware. So this is an adjustment. So you want to give your infant, your toddler, your preschooler a little bit of time, a few days to a few weeks, depending on their age and their temperament, To get settled in and adjust, and they will get there. If you can go back to part-time and move it back up, you could do that. If you're back to work full-time and at the office and you really need to remain doing so, do know that your child will adjust very soon. They will be okay. Um, The other thing is anyone who finds themselves in this situation, ask the daycare to keep offering at a few points throughout the day, because there should be multiple snack times and meal times, lunch and snack times, and so they should get multiple opportunities throughout the day to eat, and they will get there. So I know a lot of you have younger kids, but some of you may have kids who are now getting towards upper elementary, even early tweens and teens, or have some older kids. So I'll talk a little bit about elementary school returns and then I'll go into my current challenge with my 12-year-old and how I'm working with him right after a word from our sponsors. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Now that we're back after the break, let's get to the elementary age kids and beyond and my challenges with my tween son. So for instance, my children's elementary school, well, they're all their school, elementary, middle school, is they are going, actually, I don't know if it's the middle school. It might just be the elementary school. Anyway, they're doing um, two days a week, three hours, two days a week, that's it. They're going back to school. Unfortunately, like I said, we won't get to participate and I wish they could but the move was totally worth it, don't get me wrong. Elementary age kids should transition relatively easily, especially if all has remained the same, because they will remember their teacher, their school, their friends that they've had in their classes for many years, but each kid is different, and with those same temperaments that I mentioned earlier, or other changes, if you have other changes, if it's a different teacher, if it's different kids in the class, there will be varying degrees of difficulty, I know, For some of my friends' kids, they did a thing in the school district where we used to live where they actually combined schools together. So they had some kids left over from each school and they put them into a classroom together. So now they're with kids at like three or four different schools instead of with classmates that were at their current school. And they have teachers that they haven't really bonded with online. So there's going to be potentially some more difficulties there. So... If there's some part-time offerings, if you can go back part-time, start with that back to school um, and take advantage of that As so long as you feel safe doing so. If everyone in your household is feels safe doing so, I would allow that for a really nice, slow transition back to the classroom. Also, just like with the younger kids, having a couple playdates with a classmate who's in their classroom so they have a familiar face when they get back to the classroom, doing that a couple of times will be really helpful. Now, for older kids, regardless of the opportunity to go back full-time or part-time or very part-time, being available to listen and discuss concerns is what they really need right now. So remember, this is new for all of us. We've never been through this before, and I mean, us as parents and our kids as kids, we've never been through a pandemic before. I mean, as a society, yes. As a culture, we've all been through this. Our grandparents have been through this at some point, or actually maybe my great grandparents. I don't even think my grandparents have been through it. So just be sure to ask, you know, when they're struggling with something. So being there to listen and then help problem solve if they're wanting that. So you want to be sure to ask, would you like to problem solve this together? Would you like to hear my ideas? Sometimes they don't want to hear them they just want you to listen and that's fine. But just making sure you ask before you start throwing out um, before you start throwing out your ideas or your answers. Okay. So since we're talking about tweens and teens, I am going to talk a little bit in here about puberty and changes. It's going to be very mild. If you happen to have a child in the room who you aren't sure you want to hear this material yet, be sure to listen to this on your own at a later time or with some headphones. Tween boys. Now, this is going to be about boys in particular, and a lot of these things are very similar for boys and girls, but um but there's also some differences. So, in addition to physical changes, there's also the emotional changes, the hormonal changes. So, you know, we think of adolescent girls as being more emotional, but adolescent boys can be very emotional as well. So we're seeing this in our house, breaking down in tears several days a week, asking what's happening and the answer is just I don't know. So, you know, it's I'm sure it's adolescence, but the pandemic is not helping either. He ends up in tears when it comes to schoolwork is the most common reason. Now, he's normally confident, he's got it all under control when it comes to schoolwork, and all of a sudden he's melting down when he has to do something he's not sure how to do, and when he has to write a bibliography, because I have no idea what that even is. I'm sure his teacher explained this to him, but me saying that is not to be helpful. When I ask him what he's feeling or why, he just, like I said, he goes, I don't know. This is difficult because we want to help, but sometimes the best thing is just to be there. Tell them we'll help them through. Become very gentle with them in ways that before we may have had higher expectations. I normally have very high expectations of him. I expect him to be able to look something up and figure it out on his own. He's very competent, but yesterday was not the day to do that. They're waffling between boyhood and manhood allowing them to fall apart and be vulnerable is important. They need a safe space to trust they can fall apart with us and get the support they need. This is when I just hug him, I tell him everything will be okay, that I will help him work through it. He sometimes just wants to snuggle the dog, and then as any dog lover knows, they're great therapy and great mood lifters. So he'll go snuggle the dog. He did that yesterday. And then I said, why don't you go take a shower? He was a little smelly. (laughs) I was like, why don't you go take a shower and help clean everything off? You'll feel fresh and new. And then we'll start from there. You'll get to clear your head and then we'll start working on the bibliography. And that's exactly what we did. He went and took a shower. He came out, he was in a much better mood. We were able to sit down and learn how to do the bibliography and help show him the exact way to do it and everything was fine. So tween and teen boys, they will commonly withdraw. They'll be less engaged in sharing things that they once were more um, interested in or able or open to doing. So keeping a close relationship where you do just what I described, being gentle when they need it, as they swing from young child who needs a shoulder to cry on and fall apart to being king of the world the next minute. So you wanna talk gently about puberty and sex. And I'm sure my child is not much different, although he says he prefers to talk to me than his dad, I do and I don't know why, but he really doesn't wanna to talk to anyone. He really doesn't like talking about puberty and the changes or about sex. And when I explain some of the changes to him, he cringes, he says he understands, he won't be surprised when these things happen, And while we need to be gentle, we also can't avoid it. Just because they're uncomfortable doesn't mean we can go, okay, he doesn't want to talk about it, and walk away. Them learning through the grapevine is never a good way to learn about puberty and sex. All kinds of misinformation can get spread that way. Now, this is a very detailed topic that is more like a two-hour course, but I think it's helpful to give parents some general guidelines And I think for a lot of us, the biology and the sexual development stage is something we all likely need to go back and refresh ourselves on before we talk to our kids anyway. I know a lot of it, but there are just certain things, the exact, like what happens and all the changes, especially to boys, of course. I know more about girls than boys, which I think is very typical. We each know more about our own gender. So I had to go back and refresh myself, and I'm going to have to go back and do some more as we get more into talking about this throughout the upcoming months and years. So in general, doing the self-work around our sexuality. This means getting as comfortable as we can with our own sexual selves. Thinking back about any feelings we had about ourselves during puberty. Remembering what was puberty like for us? If we can put ourselves back in that spot, and I know it's been a lot longer for me than um, a lot of you guys, but the positives and the negatives, but I still remember the positives and the negatives. Have we overcome the negatives? Now, there's so much to overcome and unpack. For most of us, we're never going to overcome all of it. But are there things still dwelling? Are there some things that we can start to work on a little bit? One thing I will say about raising kids is that it makes makes us, if we're willing, makes us face ourselves and do a lot of work on ourselves to become our best selves, as we work with our kids, whether it's the tantrums and the meltdowns and the big emotions, helping us learn to um, control our own emotions, helping us stay under control and not get triggered by emotions, helps us work on that. When our kids go through puberty, help, we then have to deal with our own sexual selves because that's just underlying. They will pick up on that. Pretty much everyone has some level of hangups around Not just our sexual selves, but in areas of our own body image, of discussing things with our partner, our needs and desires. How comfortable are you with that? But the more comfortable you can get being honest with yourself first and foremost, and then with your partner, will help you get comfortable talking to your kids. If we can be ready for any question, it will help them relieve embarrassment or shame. Because if we're feeling uncomfortable or embarrassed or ashamed, they will see it a mile away. They will pick up on it. So doing our own work is really important. You know, when I tried to talk to my son again yesterday, he was very uncomfortable. He doesn't want to hear about it, let alone ask a question. So being comfortable with myself is important. So I can explain to him that puberty, sex, and sexuality is a very natural part of the human experience. And that I can mean it, that I feel that myself in my own experience, and then I can say it and mean it. And he knows that, at least on some deeper psychological level, even if he feels uncomfortable on the surface. It's also important to address the discomfort with your child if they're showing it. Talk about that discomfort. That's what we did. I'm like, I said, you know, what is your discomfort? Where is it coming from? He's like, I don't know. But at least we're bringing it up. We're talking about it. Maybe he'll think about it a little bit. What makes this topic feel different than talking about almost anything else about growing up? And I was actually surprised um, how uncomfortable he was about it because this is something I've done a lot of work on myself and I'm relatively comfortable with it. So I thought that he would have benefited from both my ex and myself, our ability to discuss the topic and always be available to them. But whether it's societal messages, its human nature, or some of both, or even some of my own deep-seated struggles that I'm sure that I still have, Um, these residual struggles and things I haven't quite embraced myself. I'll never know exactly where that comes from, but the discomfort is there. So talking about it and facing it together is a good conversation to have. It lets them know I'm not uncomfortable talking about uncomfortable things or things that may may be potentially uncomfortable. Another guideline is to go back and review and understand the process of puberty. What is happening to your child's body? What's going on in there? What are the different changes that they can expect? What might surprise them? You're going to talk about wet dreams. You're going to talk about the changes to their body for males. Male and females changes to the body. You're going to talk about what is happening to your child's body so that you can explain it to them accurately, so you can use accurate terms as possible. Now there's going to be different changes obviously at different times for different kids. They're going to have different um, signs earlier or in different order than some of their friends may have, but you're going to show them that you're informed and you're going to get yourself as comfortable as you can and show as much comfort as you can with the topics. It will make you more approachable when they do have questions in the future. Okay, um, so the classes on the website, like Separation Anxiety, choosing a preschool is a great one, especially if you're just getting ready and thinking about going back to school. These are all of the things to look for, some red flags, looking for a school that really fits your family value system and can really help you find the right school, the right fit for your family. Discipline tools for tweens and teens. If you have a tween or teen, I talk about all the areas of dealing with a tween or teen that are really gonna start to come up in the areas of life skills and knowledge that they're really going to need and have to go out in the world and be really ready. And then, of course, all the discipline tools for the younger ages because you're setting that foundation so that once they are tweens and teens, you're then just working on those life skills and good choice making because you've already got a super solid foundation with your toddler, preschooler, elementary age child as they move forward towards adulthood. And of course, all of the other 60 classes on the website at yourvillageonline.com. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week.